0: Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that 401k podcast, and of course, uh, first, uh, our topic is going to be about behaviors that plan sponsors should really avoid with 401k plan providers, whether it's you know their incumbent provider or, or somebody completely else. And, of course, uh, let's talk about our uh, live events. May 3rd, we're going to be in Detroit. Go to that com. January 26th, 27th, we'll have a national virtual event. $2.23, I think it is, to be a part of it. Um, two days of fun and information and whatnot. And uh, we'll change it up this year. You know, new people presenting and whatnot. It won't be the same event as previous years. We're always trying to do something different. And, of course, the running joke is we... Gonna have providers that uh, you can't find anywhere else. Uh, you know, the, my biggest joke about the national events um, uh, is uh, it's always the same five to ten speakers. <laughs> but uh, that's just my uh, warped sense of humor. Anyway, I, I'm recording this on a Friday. It's just one of those funny things uh, when you have a holiday uh, on the Monday, which was Columbus Day. Uh, I'm involved with uh, you know the kids and doing what they need to do, and it just kind of threw the whole week off, so usually on Friday mornings, I'll I'll record on a Tuesday, Friday morning, just, you know, share it on Twitter and LinkedIn, and I had a senior moment, because I go into the podcasting website to share it, and all of a sudden I realized there wasn't an episode recorded, so we're doing this on a Friday, we'll get it up as soon as possible, but... Um, it's just uh just one of those things where the week uh, gets away from you and it's not going to be fun um first i mean the second week in november you got election day which kids have a day off and then they, i think on that friday they have veterans day or armistice day for world war one um on the 11th so that's that's not going to be fun either so hopefully uh, that week i'll be able to get my uh crap together and uh, maybe record on a Monday or whatever and avoid uh, what, what transpired this morning. But anyway, um, when it comes to behaviors and avoidance, I, I always, I'm always kind of frank and honest. I, I try to treat people the way I want to be treated. Um, you treat people with respect. You, you, 99% of the time, you get it back. Um, you treat people well and, and, and you know, um, uh, you'll get it back. Sometimes, sometimes you don't. Um, and you know, I'm the type of person who always remember all the good people. I mean, last week we, we did an episode, I, I did an episode about Rich Lareda and What, you know, had a, had a great, uh, you know, uh, effect on my career and whatnot. And a lot of the things that, you know, he taught me, he, he wasn't actually teaching me. It's just the way he acted and the way he developed relationships kind of opened up my eyes that uh, I wish they uh, had taught me networking in law school. Uh, I would have probably gone farther in my career earlier. But, um, you know, you, you remember all the good people, and then, you know, if you know my writings, you'll know about the bad people. Um, you know, the people who, you know, backstabbers at work, the impossible bosses, like uh, Lois at the law firm. Um, you remember that, and sometimes you dwell on it. Um, but, uh, again, you uh, I won't let, I, I think it's important to, you know, not be jaded, not be so negative, and this is coming from, some, from somebody who's was a former pessimist, that uh, you should never let the behavior of others affect, you know, your behavior in the future. You get conned, you get ripped off, you work with, uh, you replace Matt Hutchinson as a fiduciary uh, and get sued for it, um, you know, speaking from personal experience you just, you deal with it, you accept it, but you don't let that kind of negativity and whatnot change your behavior. And I think it's important that plan sponsors act a certain way um, with plan providers. And and again, there are some very bad plan plan providers, but overall, uh, most are, are good. Most are good. Most are decent. Most are professional. And I always think that, you know, again, one of my favorite comedians of all time is Ronnie Dangerfield, just because of Caddyshack and back to school, but he also had a great comedy act. And like Ronnie Dangerfield, I think retirement plan fighters don't really get the respect um, that they deserve. And uh, I uh, I really think that plan sponsors need to have some sort of respect in, in the sense that they don't really abuse them and um, you know don't waste their time. And uh, wasting time is, is a big deal to me. I mean, this week I, I got a phone call from a doctor in an anesthesia group who I yeah? did you ever? It's a rhetorical question because obviously you can't respond. But did you ever get a phone call where somebody referred, somebody says, I got referred to you by so and so, and you have no idea who that person was, but you'll just accept it and pretend like you knew who that was? Well, that's what it was. It was she was like, left a message, and she's like, Oh, so and so from so and so recommended you. I'm like, I don't know who that person is. I've never heard that name before. But anyway. Um, she was telling the story, uh, plan is underfunded and she's restricted from getting a lump sum. And I had explained to her the rules about f- over, uh, underfunding and the high 25 rule and all that kind of jazz. And it was a 10, 15 minute call. I knew from the get go from, um, the fact that she left the message that, uh, there was really going to be no business in it for me, but. You, you have a choice in life. You could be, you know, a good person or you could be a bad person. And, uh, you know, I, I try to help people out because you never know. And so I talked to her on the phone for 10, 15 minutes and, you know, I, I made a friend. So next time, you know, maybe her medical practice wants to hire me as an arrest attorney. Who, who the heck knows? Or maybe she knows somebody. And, and I think that that's the point. And I think it's important not To waste plant providers' time, and how do you really waste plant providers' time? Um, usually, it's when a plan sponsor is reviewing their current providers and they want to make sure that the current provider is doing their job, they're just doing due diligence to see what else is out in the marketplace, they want to uh, compare fees and whatnot. Um, I think the most important thing when it comes to competing services, you know, plan sponsor. Um, you know, measures the current provider to what the new provider might offer. You know, uh, it's gotta be apples to apples when it comes to service level, look at the costs and whatnot. And uh, of course, plan sponsors have to pay reasonable fees, not the cheapest. And, uh, you know, when you're getting, when you're getting quotes from competing plan providers, be upfront with them and, you know, what they're doing, uh, I think uh, I've always said that the two worst things you can give people are false praise and false hope and I think it's very very I think it's really really honest um, many years ago when I was at that law firm that I speak so glowingly about that sarcasm pal um, I was working on a collective bargaining you know, Taft-Hartley union plan in in, in the supermarket business and um, they liked Um, they elect the current actuary. And they needed to, you know, benchmark fees. And I knew a very, very good actuarial group in Garden City who I've talked about a lot where they got purchased and all the good people that I liked about it left. But in terms of the uh, meeting and whatnot, um, it was one of those weird situations. I don't understand it, but I was sitting in for the attorney who represented, uh, I I don't know why, but she represented the funds, but there was a special counsel, really uh, knowledgeable risk attorney from Prescott Rose. He was the special counsel. I don't know why, but um, he said at the meeting, you know, we got to look to, uh, you know, actuarial services firms, uh, benchmark and whatnot, and take an RFP on it. And, I came up with the name of the company that, you know, I respected and whatnot. And I thought it was going to be a fair process. And of course I found out that it was a rig process and they really didn't want my recommendation. Um, it was kind of a weird situation. It was a dying union father and son controlled. It's one of those type of arrangements. And, uh, uh, it was just one time I looked at the retainer agreement and I realized that, the the attorney that, the uh, I was sitting in for her build rate for that client was like eighty-five bucks an hour, which I thought was ludicrously low, and I just realized then and there why our New York office was uh, pushed out eventually at one point, and the attorneys there were asked to leave, the partners or whatnot. But that's you know that's uh, what it was it spilling the tea, which I, I hate that thing, but that's that's what it was. But. You know, if there is no reason to get rid of the incumbent provider, you're just benchmarking fees. I think you should just be, you know, I think playing sponsors should just be upfront and honest about it. Look, I'm benchmarking fees. Um, we want to see what it is. Don't give a TPA salesperson or advisor false hope. Um, you do that and you string them along. They're just going to waste your, waste their time by calling you every two to three months and whatnot. And, you know, in my opinion, um, you know, time is a really valuable commodity for anyone in, in business, so be mindful of that when, you know, you're looking for plant providers and trying to gauge the uh, costs of their services. Um, again, I have a policy or you know, listen, I, I spent 10, 10 minutes on the phone with this anesthesiologist because, you know, you got to pay it forward and hope good things come out of helping others. But I want to say in, in 12 years I've had practice, I probably count one hand the people that wasted my time. Uh I don't even think I have five fingers for that. I I remember the one advisor in Pennsylvania, and if today is 2022, I want to say he, maybe 2012 or whatever it was, 2013, he called me up, oh, I'm really interested in your services, and oh, you do this retirement plan tune-up review, I'd love to work with you on it, can you do one for free? And of course, if you ever heard the story, I did it for free in in. Uh, I didn't hear from the advisor ever again, except for the fact that about two years ago, he wanted me to give a free uh, seminar or whatever to help him get clients. And and needless to say, uh, that didn't go anywhere and I wasn't going to help him out. But uh, time is money. And I think it's important that plant sponsors realize that they don't waste the time of plant providers. Next... um, I think plan sponsors are working their incumbent plan providers. They need to accept responsibility for their own mistakes. Um, there are a lot of things where things go wrong, and it's the plan provider's fault. It could be the TPA, you know, doing a compliance test incorrectly, misinterpretation of the plan document. Um, you know, if uh, a plan sponsor is late with side deferrals, it's not the TPA's fault, ultimately. Uh, I mean, you know, listen, if a TPA sees, you know, two months of no deferrals, well, they should have asked the question, but ultimately it's the plan sponsor's responsibility. And I think it's important that, you know, if a plan sponsor provides, for example, incorrect information to the TPA, it's their fault. There's so many times um, where the plan sponsor is going to blame uh, the TPA for something that the plan sponsor did. And there have been situations where I actually represented the client the plan sponsor client working with a TPA and I disagreed with them and I wasn't going to hold the TPA responsible for it. Um, even as a plan fiduciary, um, uh, of a PEP, um, I told the story of, um, the, the interesting story about a former employee CFO of one of the adopting employers and he claimed he didn't get the notices when his plan transitioned to my PEP and there was a blackout notice and whatnot and it was a whole to-do and he's demanding $3,000 or he's going to go to the DOL. Um, and the plan providers uh, that I work with, um, TPA and, and you know, uh, custodian and all that stuff, they asked for my guidance. and I And I said to them, Uh, I don't want you to pay that $3,000. It's not your fault. Uh, The guy got the blackout notice. Uh, The guy is ridiculous. And uh, there's no, you know, loss. Um, There's no uh, sustainable loss where he can go against anybody. And I said I would be offended, actually, if you settled with him. It's like it wasn't my money. But from a a standpoint – you know, I know when people are aggrieved and I know when people are taken advantage. And this was situation was, this was not a plant participant that was taken advantage of. He was trying to take advantage of us and our gullibility. And I told him, no, don't do that. And if there's any situation, he could always file an ERISA claim. Uh, Plant providers, again, emailed him, told him to pound sands. And it's gone three weeks or something like that. And You know, they said, talk to the PPP and see what's going on. And needless to say, uh, I haven't heard back. And, um, I think it's really, really important for a plan sponsor, um, and, and, you know, and just not, you know, just not accepting responsibility. And I, and I had that recently also with another TPA where a plan accountant, you know, gave some incorrect information, um. The, the the accountant, it was a situation with a, a DB and a 401k plan, and the uh, the, the, the plan sponsor's accountant uh, incorrectly used, it was a doctor, he incorrectly used the doctor's pay from the hospital as his pay from his practice and screwed up the DB stuff. And, um, you know, the advisor on the plan wanted to blame the TPA and... Um, I had to be up front with the plan sponsor and say, "Listen, this was your fault. You can't hold the actuary responsible. Uh, you know, clients pay me to represent them, but I, it's not going to change how you know. my view doesn't change on who's paying my paycheck. I'm going to give them the frank and honest view of what's going on, what they can get. I'm not going to chisel anybody." On behalf of my clients, I'm only going to seek um, what's right and what's wrong and what's best for the client. I'm just not going to lie and cheat and steal from my client. A retirement plan business is just very, very close knit. Um, you know, I, I got I got heat from a TPA uh, fairly recently because the TPA referred me to a client where um, plan participants conspired with their financial advisor to. Um, create a SBD, uh, a self directed brokerage account, but really didn't. They actually titled it as an IRA. So they actually moved the money out. And um, I said that that's, that's a problem, especially with the plan subject to an audit. If we don't have the records, um, you know, they can't do the audit. And the plan participant former plan participant, who is now living in Turkey, um, didn't want to provide the information. And I said, well, okay, well, you're not going to provide the information Then I'm going to treat this as a distributable event and you're going to get a 1099R. And I'm going to say that it's uh, a taxable because it was, you know, it was, it was an improper IRA, uh, transaction. Um, and I'm going to subject it to 10% excise and whatever, and this, this and that. And, um, I uh, I got involved with it again. TPA referred me in, and TPA wanted uh, fees, 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 and I'm like, you should have picked up this error. And um, I was very, very adamant that you can't sock this client with fees. And of course, this client was a pain in the rear end and took forever to get me paid I, for all the work that I did. I think I got paid 750 bucks. It was probably you know uh, should have been just 750 bucks for all the faccata zoom calls that I had over there, but. Um, it you know ruined my relationship with that CPA, but again, I told them, listen, you, you can't you know have a situation here that you know you didn't figure out. And for years, um, they treated this IRA account as part of a self-directed brokerage account. And I said, how could you do that? It was titled as the disguise IRA. How could you include it as assets? You created your own problem. You created your own headache. I came in to clear it. And now you're blaming me because I took the client's side on it. It is what it is. Um, never let uh, pay or referrals get in the way of doing uh, an honest job. Um, and, you know, sometimes you ruffle feathers. And, and unfortunately, I'm, I'm the king of the ruffles, king of the rufflers. But um, next on my hit list, again, I... Um, Uh, As I was pointed to earlier, don't ask plan providers to do something for free. Again, I had two advisors uh, that got free retirement plan tune-ups with the hope of others. Uh, I never got others. Uh, Plan providers uh, are not in the business of giving free services. You know, you give, uh, um, you know, um, plan providers should be doing free services. I've always said that. I've said it to plan providers. I started it years ago. I, I don't know who told me the situation, but it was the situation. If you do something for free, people will assign no value to it. So in terms of worthless fights, um, the situation was is that in 2000 or whatever, I was very, very disillusioned with what I was doing. I started the Rosamount Law Firm as a side gig um, and doing taxes and whatnot and um I was approached by a family member who was dating somebody and wanted me to do their taxes for free, and I refused. I said, you know, you could use my program. I had the Pro Series program. Do it, uh, and just I'll just mark it as self-prepared because that family member agreed to do the taxes and just wanted me to sign off on it, and I refused. Uh, it got me a lot of heat. But my position was, if you do something for free, uh, there's no value for it. And it reminds me of the, the Joker, the Dark Knight. If you're good at something, well, you know, don't do it for free. Um, and if you are good at something, never do it for free. And again, uh, I made that mistake a couple times, two times, and whatnot. And um, th- that's it. And, and fairly recently, I got to follow up on this TPA because I did all their cycle three documents and. They owe me a good chunk of change, about 15 grand still. Um, I did like a whole bu- bunch of their cycle three restatements, and the advise- one of the advisors of several plans threatened the TPA that um, they were going to yank the plans because the TPA wouldn't do the cycle three amendments for free. I don't know if it was a bluff or not, but at the end of the day, I said, you can't stay in business Um by eating my fee, because I'm not doing it for free. You can't. You can't stay in business by eating my fee and, um, you know, having people take advantage of you. Um, you know, almost all land providers are not in the business of nickel and diming their clients. Some work and charges are compulsory, such as plan amendments and restatements. One of my unfun times working for TPAs was when we had a restatement. You know, my bosses loved it because it mean cash, cash, cash. We can sock seven hundred fifty clients times two thousand or twenty five hundred dollars. That's a chunk of change. Um, you know, that's 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 a lot of money. And I, had, of course, had to deal with the clients who wanted a nickel and dime me. Um, I uh, I will always forget the lumber company who said, "Oh, you know, uh, we we know that you're doing these documents on a, a mail merge and whatever." And, when I got into their pricing on wood, all of a sudden they dropped the opposition to um, you know trying to nickel and dime me. Uh, plant providers and you know you know time and resources cost money. Um, you know, I, again, I worked at a law firm where it was all about the billable hour. You couldn't do anything for free. You had to bill, 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 bill. It didn't matter how good the client, you know, the services the client got. It was just all about billing, and you know that's that's how it is you know people have to eat um, you know uh, dying much of a living you know from outlaw Josie Wales. you know uh, bounty hunters have to eat too plant providers have to eat as well but being a plant provider isn't uh... isn't dying it is a living Um next uh, another behavior to avoid is getting in the way of uh... plant providers work i had a good friend of mine still do rich cole and uh... He was, how do I say this nicely, uh, he had a little erratic behavior. He, he was a larger-than-life character in my life. and uh, he, I, I, always thought, I always said that I stole his gimmick and I just took it down a few notches. But he was somebody who would go into the student government, quit, and then come back in. And one time he did that, he said that he was the stick in the wheels of corruption, which to me is one of the funniest lines I've ever heard. And I've been ripping him off. Uh, I've always said that for 25 plus years in terms of, you know, speaking out and being frank and honest. I remember one time he uh, he had posters of himself that he created. And it says, ask Richard Voracious Cole about the truth. And of course, I I think most people at Centerbrook didn't know what Voracious was. uh, But it it was just very, very hilarious. And, um, you know, he had a great gimmick. I, I think if Stone Cold Steve Austin was a uh, college student at Stony Brook, that's the, that would be Rich Cole. But uh, um, for plan sponsors, they shouldn't be the to stick in the wheels of progress. So again, stealing that line from Rich Cole, they have a job to do, and um, plan sponsors pay them for that. So if they're screwing up and causing a 5,500 delay, that's a problem uh fiduciary meetings uh too many plant sponsors push it off and don't want to do it they don't want to sit they think somehow it's like going to the dentist or whatnot and uh, i think the best thing they can do is the uh, plan sponsors to get out of the way of the work of plan providers and let plan providers do their job and not and not uh you know just being in the way um you know, and we know that, we, we see October 15th is, is is right upon us, or October 17th is right upon us. Last but not least, uh, again, like I said, I, I treat people the way I wanna be treated. Um, and, and like I said, 99% of the time it works out well. You know, I, I had that range war with the TPA who wanted to charge my plan um, half the annual fee for 5,500 in compliance testing that they already paid for. Um, I think there's no point uh, in treating plant providers disrespectfully unless they warrant it. Listen, I, I think that, you know, if the guy, you know, uh, of that CPA, I mean, what a, I just, I, I couldn't believe the the, ta- the the path he took. I anticipated that could have been the thing, but I thought, you know, nine times out of 10, don't deal, you know, when you dealing with an arrest attorney who mentions the word DOL, I think it's time to back down. And, and he wants, you know, you're dealing with an off the wall narcissist. This is this is what happens. But uh, there are ways to deal with plant provider errors without looking like a bully. You know, when you're angry, um, there's no point in yelling or, or, or screaming or crying or this this and that. You deal with it, and you just deal it with professionally. Um, I tell you from times in my youth. Getting yelled at, uh, or even I forget the youth. Uh, being a youth or an adult, sometimes getting yelled at in certain ways is worse than a punch. Um, I, I, you know, I look at my childhood, or you know, look at school, or something as simple as uh, dealing with. Uh, I'll never, I'll never forget this. Dealing with um, uh, one summer when I was in college. Uh, a relative who's no longer a relative, his brother owned the clothing store in Brooklyn, and dealing with one of the tailors. I mean, the guy was just a... His name was Izzy, and he was just a jerk. I mean, I, I think he knew that I wanted to be a lawyer, and he said to me, oh, you'll never be a lawyer. And he was just such a jerk. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why. Um, and to this day, it's 30-some-odd 30, it's 30 years later. I still remember that. And uh, I think that... Uh, you know, when they make mistakes, whatever, you treat them respectfully, and there's no point in yelling and screaming and, and, and hurling insults. That's um, just not the way I do things. Um, I'm, I, You know, I, I think I'm probably passive-aggressive in the sense that I'll just sit there and take it, and then there's going to be a point where I'm not going to take it, and boom, 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 boom. And that's that's how I am. I, I'll sit back, and when there's a point where I'm not going to take it anymore, I don't. And, uh, you know, that, uh, one of the issues that I had covered in my first book is, is dealing with a former TPA and, and we had a range war and I, I, I took something and sat down and I had made a promise to them and I kept my promise. And, you know, needless to say they're not in business anymore. It's been a long time, but it is what it is. And, um, you know, I think that if you treat people with respect, you, like I said, 99% of the time, you get it back. And I think that's the most important thing. Um, you know, plant providers talk, plant sponsors talk. And I think it's important to not have people talk about you, about what a jerk and whatnot you are. So that's neither here nor there, but hope you enjoyed this extra long episode of that 4k podcast. You know, this is a Friday morning and, and I should have gotten this episode up earlier, but it is what it is. And, um, Hope you tune in to a next episode of that 4 k podcast where we'll have it down and record it earlier as we usually do on a Tuesday. Thanks. Bye.